One of the leading news in Canada last week was that the most popular names in Ontario over the past century are Marie and Joseph. Apparently, Marie was the most popular girl name starting in the 1920s and remained the most popular for four decades, closely followed by Mary. Joseph has been the most popular name for boys for the last 30 years. It's pretty interesting considering that we are more and more a secular society. You'd think that the most popular names the last couple of decades would have been Summer, Raven, Flash, or Star. But no, the most popular name for boys in 2017 in Ontario was Noah, which replaced Benjamin from the previous year. That's pretty biblical. Which makes me think how different it would have been had Jesus not been born. Had Jesus not been born, maybe the most popular names would still be Noah or Benjamin, but certainly not Marie or Mary or Joseph. People may not be very religious, but our Christian roots come through. I guess that says something about how we are influenced by religion and how Christianity has been adopted into mainstream popular culture. And who knows, maybe the most popular boy's name for 2019 will be Pedro. That's pretty biblical too. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello, and welcome to another all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. I'm Emily Callen. I am Billy Chan. And Emily Callen is freezing, she says, I'm in the studio. Cool. freezing in the studio. We're having, like, climate, climate control uh, issues, issues. In, in the studio. Big but issues. it is Christmas. It is December. Yeah. It is December. That's true. Absolutely. So, uh, all-new show today, guys. Getting ready yes. for Christmas? Getting ready. I can't believe it's so close, Pedro. It is. It is. But still Advent. Third week yeah, in Advent. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Joyful, joyful week. Definitely. Right. Um, a reminder, I, I had uh, uh, someone email me the other day to tell me that the iTunes, um, and I think it's because it's always a couple weeks behind yeah. the podcast. So there's yeah. nothing we can do about that. If you're trying to stay current with the downloads, iTunes is, is always two or three weeks behind. And it's because mm. of iTunes need to review our show. Oh, Every okay. Time. So yeah. there you go. So the more people yeah. the more people that go to iTunes, is a Salt and Light Hour Catholic uh, podcast on iTunes and, and give us five stars yeah. and review it give us lots of reviews and 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 subscribe to the podca- yes. podcast the more it, uh, iTunes will pay attention to our podcast yeah. I don't know mm-hmm. how that compares to Google Play Billy I do not know no but it must be similar so the more people that su- subscribe yeah. or yes. download the podcast from Google Play so so do that and while you're you know online with your computer on uh, go to your email radio at saltandlighttv.org and send us a nice email or contact us through Facebook or Twitter I'm at Deacon Pedro GM you're Emily Emmy. At Emmy. At Emmy Callen. And Billy. B. Joe Chan. B. Mm-hmm. Joe Chan. Um, so, yeah. Um, today we have news with Emily, as we usual. We do. Yeah. Um, f- little tidbits. Tidbits? Okay. Tidbits. Tidbits. Tidbits as we approach Christmas. Not Timbits. Timbits. Okay, that's a Canadian reference for our listeners in the United States. We should say Timbits from now on. Just a little Timbits. Only if we get sponsorship from that great donut shop chain, Tim Hortons in Canada. Timbits. Tidbits. News tidbits that's coming up after our song. And then after that, we are actually going to be joined. Let me ask you a question first. What do you think Christmas in Bethlehem today is like? Wouldn't that be kind of cool to spend Christmas in Bethlehem? Yes. I know people who have spent Christmas in Bethlehem. Yeah. Yeah. Do you? Um, I know it's a really special It's actually one of my uh, bucket lists. It is on your bucket list to spend Christmas in Bethlehem. Yes. 
Well, yeah, um, that. Um, mm-hmm. after after uh, the news, we're going to be speaking with Michelle Bow uh, about a hospital in Bethlehem, the Holy Family Hospital. And so not only, I mean, obviously people live in Bethlehem, so people spend Christmas in Bethlehem, but babies are born in Bethlehem. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? Mm. And especially in this... That's quite cool, huh? Yeah. You know, I, you I was born it. in Bethlehem. Yeah, I was born wow. in Bethlehem. Yeah, you know, me and, and other famous people were born in Bethlehem. <laughs> um, um, yeah, those babies are called Noah and Benjamin. And I don't know what they're they're called. Joseph, probably. Yusuf. Oh, yeah? Um, in, in Bethlehem. Good Arabic uh, Christian name. Anyway, so that's in about 15 minutes. We'll be speaking to Michelle Bo about the work that is done at the Holy Family Hospital. And then, Billy, you have a question. We're continuing no, from last week. No, let's continue from last week. You didn't say much. <laughs> you didn't say much? I didn't say much that made any sense. Nobody wrote in no, to complain. No, let's continue our conversation. I think it's a, it's a cool topic. So the, conver- the question was, what makes the church Catholic? Or no, what, why do what, we call the church yeah, Catholic? Why do we call Catholic? Okay, and yeah. okay, so that's a, a review from last week, and we'll continue with that. That's uh, at the end of the first half hour. And then, you guys, uh, who can define the word magisterium? Oh, uh, oh my I know this. I know this. Magisterium? I do not want to say it out loud in radio. It's, it's like authority. Doesn't it mean authority? Yeah, uh-huh. teaching, right? authority teaching authority or body of teaching. So the magisterium right? of the church. Okay. I can't even pronounce it well. No, I, I know say you it can't. vegetarian. Veg- vegetarian. Mag- <laughs> vegetarian. Magisterium. No, it's not the same. So anyway, you guys know what I'm asking. Because yes. in our second half hour, we're going to be speaking with Sebastian Gomes, uh-huh. who works with us here. And he's going to be telling us about his latest film, The Magisterium <laughs> of the People. Vegetarian um, of the People. Yes. So that's in our... In, in, at the, so yeah, the Magisterium. Story. And I'm sure people have heard about the Magisterium of the Church, but we probably yes. have never heard of the Magisterium mm-hmm. of the People. So it sounds like a heresy, I think. Um, <laughs> so we'll have Sebastian tell us, tell us what he thinks. And then at the end of the program, uh, in our second half hour, at the end of the program, we're going to be reconnecting with Rita West. We had Rita in the program about a year ago, a year and a half ago. Last year, she had just released her first album, Chosen. Um, and she's now part of a, a neat, actually, it's a neat uh, uh, a project, a collaboration of other young and up, up-and-coming young singer-songwriters called the Novum Collective. And uh, they've put out their first collection, and it's a Christmas collection, mm-hmm. of course, mm-hmm. called Carols. So we're going to be, it's Advent, but we're going to be breaking the rules and playing some Christmas music <laughs> starting. And we're almost, almost there at Christmas, right? It's okay? Is it okay to play yeah, Christmas music? Yeah, listen to Christmas music when it's Chinese New Year. You Sometime. listen to Christmas music when it's Chinese you need, you in February? Sometimes. Okay, Sometime. yeah. yeah. Uh, my son is, loves is listening to Christmas music <laughs> really? actually all, all the right. time. Oh, no. All the time. All the time. Um, so anyway, we're going to be listening to Christmas music <laughs> and some Advent, an Advent, at least one Advent tune today. So why don't we start with a song? Mm-hmm. Um, here is Becca Landry with Angels We Have Heard on High from the Novum Collective album Carols.
That was Becca Landry with Angels We Have Heard on High from the Novum Collective album Carols. And we're going to be speaking with Rita West, who is part of the Novum Collective, at the end of the program. And in about five minutes, Babies Born in Bethlehem. Try saying that three times really fast. (laughs) Babies Born in Bethlehem. Um, But first, Emily... It's okay to laugh, Emily, because you're still here and uh, with our news, with some tidbits. I think it's great listening to you do these intros, Pedro. Is it? <laughs> I do. I have a lot of fun. Good. Yeah. Babies born in Bethlehem. Enjoy it. Okay. Um, okay. So, news. News. All right. Um, you know what the Council of Nine is? Have you heard of the, the Council of Nine? Nine as in the number nine? It has nothing to do with the Lord of the Rings. or. <laughs> okay. So, the Council of Cardinals, also known as the Council of Nine, because it used to be nine cardinals on the council of cardinals okay so it's 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 a group um like the g9 or the g yeah they, something like that right they, there's nine well there's nine on okay. the council of cardinals and this is a group that the pope named at yes. the beginning of his pontificate to reform the, the roman curia yes. well the council of nine is now down to a council of six um but it's nothing super dramatic. It's not really anything new. It's just now it's officially a different number because three of the members are no longer on the council. They got fired? Uh, well, kind of. So it used to be that the... <laughs> you, really? You know Cardinal George Pell, okay, for example. Okay, so he's going through okay. some difficulties. He's yes. going through some difficulties in Australia. Um, yes. Uh, yeah, he's facing abuse allegations as well as right. another archbishop from Chile. Um, so Eras, I'm gonna Erasuris. Okay, sure. So he's also facing abuse allegations in Chile. So they've been removed from the council for for some time, Obviously, and, and yeah. the Pope had written to them uh, saying, you know, that this is I'm thanking you for your work. Right. Um, but so they're excused for now they're because they're, they're, yes. they're busy with other yes. things. Yes, and another one um, from Congo is well has reached the age of retirement, so he's okay. no longer the council as well. Okay. Um, and so now they're down to six. The Pope has not named any new members to replace them. Well, if Pope Francis is listening, I think that you need a deacon in that council. Mm. He can be the and and <laughs> and webmaster Billy. Right. Billy so if you're putting it. up application yeah, forms, okay. Uh, okay. So numbers. Two, I was kidding, number second. That number doesn't work. Two number tidbits. two. Yes. So two new bishops in Canada. Uh, we yes. have. Well, we sorry. We don't have two new bishops. We have one new bishop, and one is replacing another yes, one. One's moving. Yes. <laughs> one's moving. Right. So the former bishop or current bishop of Cornerbrook in Labrador, right. uh, Bishop Peter Hunt, uh-huh. is now has now been named to Saint John's, Newfoundland. Great. Yeah. Congratulations, Peter. Yes. Yeah. Congratulations to Bishop Peter Hunt. Bishop and Peter. Sorry. Yes, because he's already bishop. <laughs> yes. But this next one is currently Father Guy Desrochers, uh-huh. and he is a redemptorist priest, um, and he's just been named as auxiliary bishop to the Diocese of Alexandria, Cornwall, and Ottawa, so he'll be working with uh, Archbishop Prendergast. Um, and the Diocese of Alexandria, Cornwall, is united to Ottawa um, in something that I don't quite understand, but essentially it is functioning under the... Leadership. It's complicated. It's and that's complicated. your diocese. And that's my diocese, yes. I know. But we get an auxiliary bishop, um, which is great, I suppose. We'll see how that works. Yeah, I, I wonder why you didn't just give you a bishop and because right. it's a separate diocese. So like, right. why is it still why is it, under why we, Ottawa or right. that weird So now Archbishop Prendergast has okay, three good. auxiliary bishops. Yeah. He's close to retirement age, too, isn't he? Prendergast, I think. So Maybe. we'll see. I don't know. Maybe some more do you new bishops. Do have time bishops. for more news? Yeah, we do. Some more new bishops coming to Canada in the okay. next couple of years. Um, so a bit more tragic news. So in 
Brazil, uh, there was a shooting in the cathedral in Brazil right. on right. December 11th. Mm-hmm. And so it, uh, a, sh- a gunman came into the church. Um, it was the end of mass, or I think people were, were leaving mass, um, and he shot four people um, and right. killed them. And four other are injured, still in critical in a critical state in hospital. Yeah. So the church is called Our Lady of the Conception Cathedral, um, and it reopened on December 12th for a special mass for the victims. Right. Um, and we don't know why this guy came no. in. I mean, he shot himself, so we might yeah. never know. But no. um, anyway, so prayers. Prayers go to. to the members of the church in the in Brazil yeah. of that cathedral in Brazil. In, in Sao Paulo. Yeah. And finally, um, just a quick note, a uh, reminder that a beatification happened uh, on Saturday, December the eighth. So on the solemnity of the Immaculate Conception. I know I'm a little bit late on it, but I thought it was still really important to mention because 19 martyrs uh, from Algeria or you know, uh-huh. so religious men and yes. women who yes. worked and lived in Algeria for many, many years uh, were assassinated during um, the civil war mm-hmm. in Algeria. So mm-hmm. between uh, 1994 and 1986 is when these uh, men right. and women were killed. So there was a, a mass that was celebrated in the capital. Um, and it was just it was a very beautiful and moving celebration. So yeah. if you want to know more about it, the 19 martyrs um Newly beatified. Beautiful, yeah, and that, that includes the the, fam- the famous, the famous, the, the, the monks, monks from of Tibirin. Tibirin. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely, yeah. I guess they're the ones that are better well known, and there's a great film about them. Um, thank you, Emily. You're welcome. Good, nice tidbits. Uh, Emily Callan, our Salt and Light Hour news producer. You can follow her at Emmy Callan. Hi, my name is Steve Bell. I'm a singer songwriter from Winnipeg, Canada, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. Ever wonder what it would be like to spend Christmas in Bethlehem? Well, for many Christians, that's what they do because they live there. In fact, imagine what it's like to be born in Bethlehem. Every year, thousands of babies do. And there's one organization that offers them and their families support in those first moments of life and as they grow. That is the Holy Family Hospital Foundation. And joining me now to tell us more is Michelle Bow. She's the president of the Holy Family Hospital of Bethlehem Foundation. Michelle, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you so much. It's great to hear your voice. Great to be back. It is. It's so good to talk to you. Um, I want to learn, obviously, talk about the hospital. But before that, have you had a chance to spend Christmas in Bethlehem? Because I know you go lots. You know, um, one could say it's always Christmas in Bethlehem. (laughs) Right, right. Because at the Nativity Grotto, it's always Christmas. Yes. Um, And so... Um, the answer is yes in that regard. Right. But, um, but not an actual um, Christmas day. You know, in Bethlehem, there's three Christmases, uh-huh. the Latin Rite, right. the Orthodox, and the Armenian. Okay. But I was there um, about 10 days ago when they lit the Christmas tree in Bethlehem. Oh, wonderful. And, and it was so beautiful. It was so moving. I mean, we talk about lighting the tree. Well, that was just a tiny bit. Um, what was most beautiful was they had a living nativity with the Gloria sung. Oh, beautiful. And an opera singer sang the um, Our Father in English, and a, um, a famous painter painted the Gospel of St. Luke, um, uh-huh. one sort of verse at a time, with oh. coffee. So wow. it, was, it was so beautiful, and so it was such a Catholic Christian event. Oh, wonderful. And... And the square was full. And that's done outside? That's done in the square outside of the of the church? Yes, with the yes. church backlit the, as yeah. the backdrop. Oh, beautiful. And it's really, I've never seen anything more oh, beautiful. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. And that is 
steps away from the hospital. Tell us about the Holy Family Hospital. We're an infant and maternity hospital. Um, this year we'll probably deliver around 4,700 babies. Uh-huh. And we have a level three neonatal intensive care unit where we can take care of premature babies who are born as small as one pound. So how, how unusual would be a neonatal crisis unit in that region? You know, it's the only one in the region it's that the, can take babies born before 32 weeks. So and when, it's, um, sorry, when you say... It's a miracle. Yeah, it is. When you say region, do you mean Israel, Palestine? Do you mean the whole, not, not the whole Middle East, do you? No, 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 no. I no. mean the whole, um, the whole region where the people from um, Bethlehem can go. Okay. So it's in Palestine. They're not, um, they can't cross the wall. Right. So it's the um, center of care which is a Catholic teaching hospital which serves the um, the whole lower half of Palestine. Right, right. And you said 4,700 babies are born average every year. I mean, that's... Yeah, this year, it's this been year growing. F- each, each year we're getting, you know, 20% more babies. So it's really, um, since you've seen it, it's even gotten, if you can believe, much busier. That's amazing. That's amazing. And you have obviously it's a it's a it's a Catholic hospital, but you're not just serving Christians. You're serving the whole population. We're like the um, manger. We <laughs> serve everybody who comes to the door. We're not the the innkeepers. We don't turn anybody away. Right. And so we serve everyone who comes, and our staff is 170, all Palestinian. And they come from all different um, faith backgrounds. So it's an ecumenical workplace that really serves as a beacon of hope and a place of interreligious peace. Wonderful. So if you serve everyone, regardless of their ability to pay, I presume, um, how does that work? Well, um, you know, it's a very poor region because it's surrounded by the wall, and so people can no longer move to work and things like that. So every patient who walks in the door is automatically subsidized at least 50%. Uh And then there's a sliding scale from there. You know, 45% of our patients are refugees, Mm -hmm. and 74% of them live significantly below the poverty line. Mm -hmm. So we are are welcoming the sick and the poor um, to our order of Malta Hospital in Palestine. That's right. And of course, you are the president of the, of the foundation that's based in the United States, and this is to support the work of the hospital. How can people here listening to this program right now thinking, oh, I'd love to help babies in Bethlehem. How can they help? And doesn't it sound wonderful, the babies in yes, Bethlehem? Yes, I know. Um, well, you know, um, I would ask for everyone's prayers for the um, babies and the mothers and the doctors. Um, and I would ask for generosity. You can go to our website at Birthplace of Hope. Dot org and make a donation. Um, and parishes and schools have been taking second collections and having um, um, teaching mm-hmm. um, weeks where we learn about refugees and learn about homelessness and learn about the Holy Land. Right. And there's information about that on our website, too. So individuals can help and whole parishes can get together and help, too. So there's all kinds of ways to be creative to help those babies in Bethlehem. Okay, great. And all that information is at that website, birthplaceofhope.org. Michelle, that's all the time we have, but it's so good to talk to you and to, uh, to, to remember and to let our listeners know about the wonderful work that you, the foundation, and of course those on the ground troopers there in Bethlehem and the, the, the hospital, the work that they're doing. Thank you. It's been a blessing to chat with you. Michelle Bow is the 
president of the Holy Family Hospital of Bethlehem Foundation. You can learn more about their work and find out how you can support them at that website, birthplaceofhope.org. Hi, I'm Taylor Tripodi, and this is the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. Listen to this program again and again and again at saltandlighttv.org slash radio or download the podcast off iTunes or Google Play. And now it's time for... Church for Dummies. With Billy Chan, who is not satisfied with the quest with the answer. You were satisfied with the question. But I'm satisfied with, with your three again. We've uh, listened to us. Oh, okay. Absolutely. <laughs> again and again and again. Yes. So um, last week, yeah. you know, we didn't really like finish our conversation no um, and uh, we we know that you know cat, cat, Catholic the word Catholic is coming from really early in the, yes in, in, in our, our yes. Catholic church so you asked the question you asked was why is the church called Catholic yes and so or when did the church start being called Catholic Correct. and we, we talked about you know as early as the second century you know the year 107 yeah. or so we already had references to people calling Catholic, and by the Council of I don't know which council they it was, already the like of officially Nicaea. using the word Catholic. Yeah, yes. by the Council of Nicaea, all Nicaea. the Nicaea's documents are officially referred to as the, the documents from the Catholic Church. But what I didn't get to say actually, and it's funny because you don't have to go much further than the Catechism of the Catholic Church, <laughs> which actually explains why the Church is Catholic. And if I can read it, so this is number eight six eight in the Catechism: the Church is Catholic because she proclaims the fullness of the faith. She bears in herself and administers the totality of the means of salvation. She is sent out to all peoples. She speaks to all men and women. She encompasses all times, and she is missionary of her very nature. So, so that, basically, that includes pretty much everything. That's, that's why we say that the church is universal. So basically, even though if you don't trust or believe in God, we treat you as a Catholic because it's all men, all women, everyone. No, well, no. Can we say this? No, no, because I think that to be called Catholic as a person, yes. you would have to subscribe to certain <laughs> basic teachings of the Catholic Church. However, the Church is the Church for everyone. Okay. See the difference? So the Church is the, for everyone. It reaches everyone or it tries to reach everyone. But that doesn't mean that everyone accepts the teachings of the Church. Okay. Yeah, it's one way, but not two ways. Right. So the church is Catholic in that she is intended for everyone. It is intended to include everyone. It reaches out to everyone, and it inclu- it, it 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 bears the the totality of the fullness of the faith and 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 the means of salvation. And how about the word Christian? Because we mentioned that um, the, uh, yeah, okay. we, we don't use the word Christian in the early church, but we. We use it when... Okay, so no, hold on a second. So okay. the, 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 in fact, in the Acts of the Apostles, uh-huh. it says that in, I think it was in Antioch, the followers of Christ were first called Christians. So already in the Acts of the Apostles, these people who followed Jesus Christ were already called Christians. But there, the Catholic Church in never, in any of the documents ever in the last 2,000 years, has ever called itself the Christian Church. Interesting. It is interesting. We have, we do call it the Catholic Church, but not the Christian Church. The the distinction comes when there's a split. Oh. So when there's a split, then we have to make a distinction between the Catholic Church 
and the other Christian churches that also follow Jesus Christ. You're talking about the split from when? All Is it the, the splits. Pro- the first split, the... the Orthodox split, mm-hmm. and then, the, uh, then of course, it, with, with the Protestant uh, split. And that's when we start calling them denominations. So the Catholic mm-hmm. Church is not a denomination. Because the Catholic Church is the first church. It's a church. And then mm-hmm. all the other ones that split are denominate are are denominations. Mm. Um, so And so we all called ourselves Christian as now, well. Now we, we call ourselves Christians because we follow Jesus Christ. So mm-hmm. the Catholic Church in that sense is a Christian church because it's a it because it's a church that professes that Jesus okay. Christ is God. So if you believe in Jesus Christ, you believe that Jesus Christ is God, that makes you a Christian. If you profess that belief inside the Catholic Church, you're a Catholic. This is quite confusing, I find, because really? the Christian, um, the Christian, the word Christian is kind of like an, an umbrella, right? It's kind of like an umbrella yeah, of yeah, it is. everyone who believes or following Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. Yes. And, but the Catholic is not a denomination. No, it's not because... Because it's the roots. Of, because it's the roots. So uh-huh. the, what makes what makes the other churches denominations is that, that they came from the Catholic Church. Hmm. But that has nothing to do. So it's like two different distinctions. The fact that we're Christian is one way to classify ourselves. Okay. And the fact that we're Catholic is just how we classify ourselves. It's a different way to classify ourselves. It's very interesting. Thank you for okay. your answer. So yeah, <laughs> there, no, you're welcome. So you have to be Christian first, uh-huh. and then be Catholic. You cannot oh. be Catholic if you're not Christian. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Good. All right. Thank you, Billy Chan. Thank you. Billy Chand, our, our uh, seasoned, he's a seasoned radio host, seasoned radio host, and he's the webmaster behind saltandlighttv.org. You can follow him at B. Joe Chan. Coming up in our second half hour, the Magisterium of the People, and we reconnect with Rita West, so stay tuned. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. I'm hoping that most of you know what the word magisterium means and that you have heard about the magisterium of the church. But I bet that you've never heard of the magisterium of the people. Sounds like a heresy, right? Well, joining me now to uh, set us straight uh, is Salt and Light TV producer Sebastian Gomes um, and also to tell us about his latest project. Of that name, the Magisterium <laughs> of the right. People. Sebastian, welcome. Welcome back. Thanks very much, Deacon Pedro. Always good to be with you. So Magisterium of the People, really, that's a thing? That is a thing. That's uh, a thing. You know, we chose the title of the film to be intentionally a bit provocative, but yeah. if we think about what Magisterium means, it's mm-hmm. traditionally associated with the teaching authority of the Catholic Church. Right. So we have, you know, revelation, the things that God has shown us in yeah. history. We also have this long tradition and body of teachings that, mm-hmm. the, that the church gives us to help us live our lives and to help us be impactful in society. Uh, the magisterium of the people is, is something else. It means giving authority to the people with the least. So if you think about Jesus and the Gospels is always associated with the very poor, the outcasts, mm-hmm. the people who were rejected by society. What if those people have something to say to us as well today? And right. so our story, which is situated in the Appalachian region of the United States, you know, that mountain, yes. famous mountainous region that goes from, you know, southern New York all yes. the way down to Tennessee. Yes. John Denver saying about it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, so the Appalachian region, as, as many of us will know, if we follow the news and everything, mm-hmm. uh, historically has been for generations uh, coal country. Yeah. So the people who have lived in the mountains have mined coal and provided power for, for the greater part of the United States for generations. 
but with that coal mining, as it's expanded, and then in recent years, as clean energy is, has started to take off, and, mm-hmm. and we've been more concerned about creation, yeah. that industry has, has, has started to fade. So there's yeah. a lot of unemployment because of that industry collapsing. Uh, and at the same time, there's been a lot of environmental degradation. So our movie focuses on a little group called the Catholic Committee of Appalachia, uh-huh. who since 1970 has been working to keep those two really important things in balance, care for creation and care for the poor, giving a voice to the poor, the people who are powerless, the people like the miners or the right. people who have, you know, their wells have been poisoned because of a, a mine runoff yeah. or something like that. You know, the people who typically don't have a voice, they want to give them a voice. So. The, story, the, the film is about how they wrote a, a very prophetic pastoral letter in 2015 that tried to give a voice to all those people who are typically voiceless in, in Appalachia. Right. And so we call it the magisterium of the people because, because they, they have authority in their life experience of suffering and of, of, of living in difficult situations. Okay, so I have the pastoral, this is the pastoral letter that's right here in front of me. The telling takes us home, taking our place in the stories that shape us. A people's pastoral from the Catholic Committee of Appalachia, Appalachia, um, it's a. Can the people just write a letter and call it a pastor? <laughs> was the bishop? So w- was there an issue there? With I don't want to give too much away because I want people to watch no, the it's, film. But, but good but question. How did that come? Yep. How does that happen? It's very important uh, because we're dealing with uh, people don't tend to always use the word magisterium or pastoral letter no. in their day-to-day life. No. So it's important to clarify those I wrote those a pastoral things. letter <laughs> this morning and nobody cares. Nobody read it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the, the history of this group goes back to 1970. And in uh-huh. 1975, they wrote together with the bishops of Appalachia an amazing pastoral letter called This Land is Home to Me, uh-huh. where they really named what was going on with the big coal companies exploiting a lot of the workers, the miners, you know, destroying the mountains, right. poisoning the water, so all this. The people stuff. with the bishops. The people with the bishops. The and bishops. then in 1995, there was on the 20th anniversary of that first one, they wrote another one, okay. again with the bishops of the region. Uh-huh. By 2015, which is the 40th anniversary, uh, the CCA, this group, was not very confident that the bishops would want to sign another hmm. prophetic document, a pastoral letter like this. Okay. And that's because in many ways, just the, di- the dynamics of the church in the United States over the last 20 years has shifted the priorities of the bishops to some extent. Uh-huh. And they were no, not really in line with groups like this Catholic Committee of Appalachia anymore. But the, the amazing part of the story is they, they decided, 2015, let's just go ahead and write a people's pastoral letter knowing that the, the people who are suffering the most have this mm-hmm. kind of inherent authority because Jesus is always at the side of the poor, the right. preferential option for the poor. Uh-huh. And they also gave a voice to creation, to the devastated mountains, to the devastated rivers, to the, you know, so it's, uh, and then there's a happy ending at the end that a bishop is, was appointed in 2015, uh, Bishop John Stowe in Lexington, Kentucky, who right. when he heard about what they were doing, uh, was thrilled and, and it really encouraged them to keep going. And so it's, it's a very hopeful story as well. Okay, good. It's also, so it's a story about, about the environment. It's a story about the poverty, the people. It's also a story about women. Tell me about that. In yeah. A sense. So uh, interestingly, after the Second Vatican Council, a lot of the, the people who uh, began to do really grassroots ministry in terms of helping people with like drug addiction, addictions or health problems or were unemployed or whatever, mm-hmm. were women religious. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's, uh, there's a lot of women religious in the United States. Uh, a number of them were involved right from the beginning with the Catholic Committee of Appalachia. 
Uh, and some of those uh, women are still around, and they're actually in our film explaining, like, what was the initial impulse and what were they been trying to do. And, and with this particular story, the women religious were instrumental in, uh-huh. in kind of carrying on the mission of CCA over the last, you know, uh, 50 years, 40 years. Um, and they, they really put a high priority on listening. Mm-hmm. It's not so much about, you know, what do I as a woman religious have to tell you, person who lives in the mountains of Appalachia? It's more, what do you, a person in the mountains of Appalachia, have to say to me? And mm-hmm. how in my listening can I help minister to you better? Right. And so their witness through the history of this organization, and it's found in the pastoral letter as well, is very uh, apparent and encouraging. That's wonderful. So um, how did you stumble upon this story? While we were looking, I mean, this is a a separate film from the Francis Impact, which I'm also working on, and we've talked about that on the radio show, which is coming out in early 2019. Um, But when I was doing research for the Francis Impact, uh, I came across this story, and one of the things that really struck me about it, just doing research about, you know, how can, why, what are people saying about what Francis's impact has been on them. Yeah. And certainly the publication of Laudato Si, Francis's famous encyclical in 2015 on care for creation, was instrumental for them in, in, in encouraging them to do their work and encouraging them to care for creation in the way that they were. It was an right. affirmation. Yeah. And I felt that there's a lot of groups in the church, in the Catholic church today, who have felt a little bit marginalized from the institutional church over the last 20, 30 years, mm-hmm. who with the arrival of Francis have really felt vindicated in their, in their, in their ministry. Mm-hmm. And that's an amazing thing. I mean, th- there's so many people who not only belong to the Catholic Committee of Appalachia, but all kinds of other organizations in the church who have been trying to like really give a voice to the mm-hmm. poorest people, to stand in solidarity with the poorest people, to protect the environment. And sometimes they've been marginalized from the institution as, you know, those people are a little bit nuts, little mm-hmm. kind of tree huggers, yeah, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. And Francis, as Francis does, because this is one of his key uh, themes, he brings the periphery to the center. He thinks that the church, the church can only be true to itself if at the heart of where we're making decisions, all the people who live on the margins are in that center making the decisions with us. Right. All those people who have no voice typically in the world are given a voice in the church. And so it's a perfect kind of uh, Francis impact story, right. so to speak, uh, even though the publication of the document is kind of the main, the yeah, main narrative here. Which also gives, I guess, meaning. It, 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 allows us, it allows this idea of the magisterium of the people to actually make sense, that when we bring those people that are in the peripheries to the center and give them a voice... And of course, they they are the magisterium because they are the body of Christ. That's right. We're um, all one yeah, body, right? Yeah, but I think yeah. especially at this particular moment in time, knowing what's going on in the church, some of the big uh, crises that the church is facing, yeah. the example of a group of lay people with women yeah. religious and Wonderful. some priests on yeah. the ground to say, yeah. okay, bishops, if you won't do this, we still think that these poor Absolutely. people have a voice yeah. and we want to yeah. share that. It is. It's and it's a, a great story. lesson because we need more laity empowered get on the empowered lady absolutely empowering the body of Christ that's what this film is about amen good so thank you so much thank you for making it looking forward to watching the completed version thank you very much Sebastian Gomes he's a producer at Salt and Light TV he's the writer producer and director of the Francis Effect and the soon to be released the Francis Impact 
His latest film, Magisterium of the People, will premiere on Salt and Light Television on Christmas Day, December 25th at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. For those outside our broadcasting area, you can still watch it. You can stream all our programs live at saltandlighttv.org slash live. And check out saltandlighttv.org slash magisterium to find out more about the film and for more broadcast times. Here now is our featured Artist of the Week, Rita West, with Come Thou Long Expected Jesus from the Novum Collective album, Carols.
That was Rita West with Come Thou Long Expected Jesus from the Novum Collective album Carols. We met Rita West last year when she had just released her debut album Chosen. Since then, Rita has partnered up with several other young and up-and-coming Catholic singer-songwriters and formed Novum Collective. Their first collaboration is a Christmas album, which we've been listening to, Carols. And to tell us more, I am now joined by Rita West. Rita, welcome back to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you so much for having me back. It's great. It's great to have you back, and I'm glad you reached out to tell us about this. How did uh, Novum Collective come about? Yes, so um, all of the artists that are involved in Novum Collective, we've worked together in different ways over the years, mostly through um, our, our publisher, Mercy Crew Publishing. And so, okay. um, yeah, the, the founder of that, uh, Will Hickel, who's also featured on the album, uh-huh. he just had this inspiration to like, hey, let's all collaborate um, to, to have this new project and specifically to really begin that with this Christmas album. Um, so I'm so excited. It's been great to meet all of the people that I hadn't yet met who are featured on this album and spend time with them uh, in the studio and just dreaming up this album and really forming it into what it became. So so was the purpose of the collective initially was just to work on one album or is there hope that, that this is collaborations that will continue into other projects? Yeah, it'll definitely be something that continues into other projects. This is, yeah, just the the firstborn of that. Right. Um, but yeah, really just with the desire to, to work together, I think specifically, um, yeah, just as the artists that we are and all the different artists that are featured, we all have different styles of music and yeah, yeah different kind of songs that we each write and release individually. But really coming together as one um, on these projects and uh, yeah, just, just helping support one another and really be a community of musicians together in in the projects that we do together. Right. I was going to, I mean, I was going to ask you why, but I guess the support and the networking and I mean, you're already a lot of you working together anyway, but there, is there more, is there in terms of collaboration, do you guys ever write or compose music together or are there those types of collaborations happening or, or you hope that they will happen? Yeah, I think they're definitely in the plans. We actually, just a couple weeks after we were in the studio recording this album, we had a songwriters retreat together uh, where we just spent a couple of days together in Texas and um, had a lot of great community time, but also had a lot of time just to sit and to write together. So mm-hmm. kind of breaking off. And even in that, some working on, you know, working on some songs just for me or working on some songs for Gabby or whatever the case. But um, so, yeah, the support and the community of it is so huge. Um and yeah, I, I think for sure it's in the plans that we would do more writing all together and recording together um, as we continue that collaboration and continue to watch it grow. So for this album, um, I guess the collaboration is that everybody or most everybody, does it everybody, um, has a song that they've contributed to the album? Were a lot of these songs recorded specifically for the album? Yes. So all of these songs were recorded specifically for this album. Uh-huh. Um and yeah, so the collective is the collective and the collaboration. It's you know it's fluid. It's not necessarily always the same nine people that you hear on this album, uh-huh. which is kind of the beauty of it. And I think really encourages something that I think we're seeing more and more of. Praise God is this idea, yeah, of collaboration versus competition. Um, just especially, I think in 
in all of the arts, and I think particularly in, in music, uh, especially in the church, um, this desire to collaborate with one another, to work with one another, yeah. versus trying to trying to compete. And so the members, I'm sure, will yeah, kind of be fluid as the years come. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so on this one, yeah, everyone who's uh, everyone has their own song that they're featured on that really is beautiful. They're yeah. The songs are all a lot of them like sound very. They have different sounds. They don't all sound exactly the same, but no. it's such a gift, you know, that um, you know the style of, of Stephen Jobert that he has on his individual album really comes through in the song that he records. And right. the same for Gabby and everybody else. You know, it's kind of um, gives people a whole variety, really, of sounds to hear and to listen to in one album. And um, yeah, so right. So you mentioned Stephen Jobert. Um, we heard Becca Landry earlier at the beginning of the program. There's you, Rita, Matt Lewis. You mentioned Will Hickel, who's who's maybe kind of the spearheading the whole thing, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Matt Lewis, Eric Wilkes. I mentioned Gabby Banzan mm-hmm. and Dave yeah, Moore. Yeah, Gabby Banzan. Yeah. Okay. And Dave we, Moore. Captain yeah, which Moore. is great because there's a lot of people here that I didn't know, so it's wonderful to get yeah. to meet new new Catholic artists. Um, some of the tracks will say, you know, like the person that's featured and then it'll say, and Novum Collective. Are those tracks where you guys would have collaborated, like you're playing with each Mm -hmm. other or you're singing with each other? Um, Yeah. So I guess that's, that's kind of part of the origin story of the Novum Collective that, yeah, that I left off at the beginning. uh So, um, Eric Wilkes and Will Hickel. Okay. Uh, a couple years ago, the last few years, they've had a band that is the two of them called Novum. Okay. Um, that is kind of its own little separate uh-huh. entity that now has kind of grown into and was really like the um, the parent uh, of Novum Collective. Right. And that okay. was becoming a reality. So, yeah, so it's listed that way as Eric and Will were, you know, our members of the original Novum. Novum, and, and this is like uh, a like a, a spawn of right. the of Novum. Right. And we left uh, Andrew Lobacher out, Alob. Yes, Alob. Right. Yes. Sorry. Um, Sorry, Alob. <laughs> no, that's great. You know, I was I I, uh, I mean, I speak to so many are different artists on this program, and and everybody struggles. We might not talk about this on the air, but everybody struggles. You know, everybody's doing their own thing. You know, if Rita West is working on her album and then she's doing parish missions and, and doing, you have little time to do promotional work and all that other stuff that that revolves around yeah. trying to make a living out of this. And I think it's so important for Catholic artists to come together and support each other. So yeah. even if, like you said, like if all nine of you aren't always traveling together, doing stuff together, but if if you and Will and Eric are doing a concert, you know, maybe, or that's their concert, but they you come in and join them in their concert. Um, yeah. Or or you might write a song that they're like, hey, that's a great song, Rita. Can we play that song? And then they play it on their concert. So then their fans get to hear your song and then they learn about Rita right. West. Right. And if more Catholic artists were doing these types of collaborations, I, th- I think <laughs> it would be easier. Don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think you're spot on. I think, you know, even as we hear in Scripture, right, like we all have different gifts. Yes. And so even as you're talking about, yeah, how do I promote this thing when I'm busy writing songs or I'm busy traveling. How do I, you know, how do I handle the logistics and yes. this and that? It's really inside of that is the Lord inviting me to not take care of that and to have someone on a team yes. in community with me to really help me with that. And I do think, um, I think 
uh, we're starting to see some of that collaboration mindset happening more and more. Yes, um, I think so. In yeah, in Catholic circles, you know, like with Nozum Collective, uh, the Vigil Project yes. is kind of doing yes. that. Yes, um, that's right. Group. Yeah, yeah. So there, there are people. I think we're starting to recognize the gift inside of that, and yeah. starting to move into it and say. Okay, maybe we don't know what this looks like from the get-go, but let's start this and it's let's true. work together um, and let's help each other and support one another. Yeah, absolutely. And write music yeah. together and lead worship. Yeah, together. and I yeah. think that that's great. And share and, you know, jo- you know, join each other. When It's great to see it sort of happen organically amongst the artists themselves because, like, I know when Spirit and Song, you know, it's like the artists that were Spirit and Song artists would sort of end up collaborating because of the publisher. Um, mm-hmm. Um, and so then they'd end up, you know, if Sarah Hart writes a, ho- a song, then Steve Angrisano might sing that song at his concert mm-hmm. and then, you know, or Tom Booth. And then that's sort of, so I think it's great because the industry is moving in a different direction also in terms of publishing, um, that this is yeah. sort of a natural thing. One last question I want to ask you, why? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I love the fact that it's a Christmas album and it makes perfect sense, but was that a conscious decision? Like, let's start our first album, let's make sure it's a Christmas album or, or were there other reasons? Yeah, I think um, it was in a lot of our hearts of, oh man, like just the love for the, the Christmas season and uh, wouldn't it be good to do that? I think maybe some of us were thinking of that like individually of like, ah, maybe one day I'll right. do a Christmas album myself, but I don't know. What would that sound? And so then when the idea came to start doing this uh, collective, it was kind of the first thing on the table of, Hey, what if we what if we start with a Christmas album? Um, and I think there's something really beautiful to that too. Of as this as this is our first project that we've mm-hmm. kind of burst for the world, right? And for the church, and um, right. yeah, that it's appropriate. Yeah, that it comes at this time and this season. Um, yeah, as we're preparing for Christmas, and then as we come to celebrate Christmas. Um, yeah, just being grateful for all the things that God is doing, all the new things that God is doing. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. so I think it's absolutely appropriate. Whether or not that was part of the original plan or not, is yeah, God has a way of working all of yeah, these things absolutely. together. Really no, well. and there's something there's something about Christmas album collaborations that I, I think also makes sense, you know? It's like you can just listen to yeah. the album and it feels like you're listening to songs from different... Uh, artist, which you are, yeah. actually. Anyway, yeah. um, Rita, I'm so... you've heard the songs before, you know them, they're familiar. Yeah, exactly. Cool guys singing it, or this cool girl singing it. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And and there are some really neat arrangements um, uh, to, yeah. to songs that we know very well. Um, Rita, yeah. thank you for reaching out and let, letting us know about the album and telling us a little bit more about this collaboration. <laughs> and I uh, look forward to, to more from Rita West and from the collective. I'm going to have to reach out to all these people, see if I can get them on the program as well. Yes, yes, absolutely. Okay, so take care and, and uh, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thanks so much for having me. You can learn more about Rita West at her website, RitaWest.com. And to learn more about Novum Collective and purchase the album Carols, go to NovumCollective.co. NovumCollective.co. Here now is Stephen Jover with the first Noel from the Novum Collective album Carols. In fields where they lay keep. 
were listening to Stephen Jover with the first Noel from the Novum Collective album Carols. And that will take us to the end of the program. Remember that if you tuned in late, you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs for free at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. That is also where you can learn all about our featured artists and guests. And remember that you can subscribe for the Salt and Light Hour podcast on iTunes and also now on Google Play. And make sure, remember, to log in and write us a nice review if you want to reach us. I'm at Deacon Pedro GM and Billy is at B. Joe Chan. And I'm at Emmy Callen. Be sure to join us next week for our Christmas special. Matt Marr will be joining us. Yes, and thank you for being with us. I'm Emily Callen. And I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been The, the Salt and Light, Light Hour. And so let all with one accord sing praises to thy heavenly Lord that hath made earth and heaven of naught and with his blood mankind has born no No. Oh.